On this week's episode of Chasing the Natty, I look ahead to week five in our preview where I will be discussing the big game matchups and possibly high scoring games this week. All this and more on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Chasing the Natty. Oh, man, starting off on a bad note. Yeah, uh, welcome back to Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. I am your host, Xavier Hood. And usually who would be beside me would be Jared Palmgren, my great co-host. He is recovering from, oh, I forgot, what, what surgery did he He had his wisdom teeth removed. So he's uh, being babied right now, uh, trying to recover. So we'll hope to see him back next week. But uh the show must go on. So uh, for now, we're just going to have this episode, just me. And then uh, Jared wrote down some of his thoughts and opinions that he had on this game. So it'll still be like a two uh, perspective, uh, two point perspective, but just be me talking for now. And uh, without further ado, I think we should just jump right on in. Um, so normally, sorry, we. Oh, yeah. Uh, so before we jump right on in, I would like to ask everybody to like and subscribe uh, all our podcasts and listen to this one. Uh, you can follow us at CFF underscore Jared and at CFF underscore Xavier. Um, we are available on all streaming platforms from Apple Podcasts to Spotify and YouTube. Um, please uh, like and subscribe and follow our YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see all our great graphics uh, that Jared has provided for us today. Um, and yeah, that'll be it. But without further ado, we should really get into these games. Uh, we have a big slate uh, for week six. So. Week six, uh, we have a lot of good games. Uh, I guess the first one that we should touch on is probably the biggest game of the of the week is Penn State at Iowa. Yeah, you have a top three versus four matchup. Uh, it's going to be huge. Uh, we'll get to really see uh, assess these big uh, ten teams. Uh, is Penn State actually legit? Is Iowa's defense the real deal? Because I feel like, you know, we've only seen uh, these teams play lesser competition. Like a lot of people were expecting Maryland to possibly knock off Iowa. Iowa's defense proved them very much wrong. And Penn State, uh, they've been dominating majority of their competition. Their biggest one to date now, I guess, is Auburn, which, I mean, is looking less and less impressive. So this will probably be their first true test that they have. But, um, yeah, besides that, I, I guess um, – so Iowa is a minus two-and-a-half favorite in this game. They will be uh, This game will be shown at Fox at 4 p.m. And I'll just give you a little bit of uh, insight of what Jared had to say about this. Uh, he's basically uh, – Jared basically said if Penn State wants to win this game, they need to limit the turnovers. And Sean Clipper has to be on his A game. And the receiving core um, with Dotson, Washington, and, um, you know, the rest of those guys, I think Lambert as well. But, I mean, they're, they're going to be talented enough to, you know, be able to pass. Uh, Clifford's going to be uh, talented enough to hit those receivers and find them. But it's really up to the running back room as well, too. Well, you have Noah Kane, Kevon Lee, and John Levitt. So, like, it's he's compared to how Georgia looked last week to where, you know, even though they didn't have their quarterback, uh, they relied on the run game. 
and the run game was re- doing really well where I think all of our running backs, we had four running backs with over five yard, 4.5 yards per carry, something around those uh, numbers. But I, I, I totally agree that Penn State definitely oh, no, offensively needs to hit on all cylinders for this game. I, I trust their receivers enough, but this will be their first shoot test against an Iowa defense uh, that they haven't seen just yet. And um, for the Penn State defense, if they want to stop Iowa, they have to they have to be kept out, kept out of short field positions. Um, so, but I, I'll give you my thoughts on this. I kind of agree with almost everything that Jared says. I think uh, Iowa's offense is not that great, like in short field positions, like uh, Jared mentioned. Um, I think they are very, let's say, explosive in this fact, and in, in terms of like when they're in the short and when they're in like maybe within twenty five yards, Tyler Goodson. Uh, Sam Laporta and the QB for Iowa, um, they can they can score touchdowns at a, a effective rate, a uh, highly efficient rate as well. So Penn State has to be on their toes, but they have shown that their defensive line and that uh, linebacking core against Wisconsin, even though even though I've harped on Wisconsin not being a great win, the defense did show me something on like you know through the eye test that they have the ability to get stops. So it'll be a tough matchup for both of these teams. If I had to pick a winner. Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I'm going to go with, man, I, I hate to do this, but because I really don't like any of these Big Ten teams. I think they're both a little bit iffy, but I'm going to go with Penn State on this one. I, I trust the talent offensively that they'll be able to score more than Iowa. And um, for Jared's pick, I think he is picking Penn State as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, he's not. He's picking Iowa. So he's uh, he's tired of doubting Iowa. He did, he doubted it last week against Maryland, and um, now he's jumping on not to say bandwagon, but he's uh, playing it safe and going with the uh, with the spread. Uh, well, not uh, you know maybe not two and a half, but he's going with the team of Iowa. So I guess we can move on to our next game. We have let's see let's see we have Oklahoma at Texas the Red River rivalry showdown uh this is going to be an exciting game because a lot of people have a lot of question marks around uh, Oklahoma and what their team is going to be about because if they do win out at the Big 12 and go undefeated it looks like it'll be a playoff berth for them but if you have actually watched an Oklahoma game this year it don't look like that impressive and each week I just feel like somebody's going to knock them off so I, I feel like Texas could be that team this week but Last week they didn't show a good. They didn't have a good showing. Where I was convinced enough, like if Casey Thompson could build off of the Rice game and uh, the Texas Tech game, that maybe he could uh, knock off Oklahoma. But I think mainly for the big, uh, the two biggest players in this game are probably going to be Spencer Rattler and Bijan. I think me and Jared both agree on that. Um, so we're going to have a very high-powered offense. Uh, two very high-powered offenses, talent-wise but it's really going to ultimately come up to who's going to capitalize off of these opportunities. Like Oklahoma cannot be slow in what they're doing. They can't keep this game close because B. John Robinson is just known to break out for, you know, receptions of, of plus 20 yards or Roshan Johnson in short field position and 15 yards can get the touchdowns as well too. Then you have those talented receivers. If they're healthy, Jordan Winton and Xavier Worthy. Now on the other side, Oklahoma, they have a plethora of five-star wide receivers they have a great backfield of Brooks and Eric Gray, but it's really going to ultimately come up to that defense. Is the defense good enough to get a stop against Texas, which I don't think it's going to be that hard to do, but Texas still has the talent to overpower it. So I'll, I'll give uh, our listeners Jared's thoughts uh, since he's not here. As I said earlier, I think um, 
he basically said that he just uh, he doesn't trust the running game this much uh, for Oklahoma. So uh, if they uh, if if they can't get their passing game going, then Oklahoma might be in a little bit of trouble. And Bijan Robinson, like we both agree, will be carrying the load for this team. He's the best player. This is a big game. I don't expect uh, for him to be out too much. I think they're going to keep him in for all four quarters, and unless they're blowing them out completely. But I, I, like we both think, uh, agree, we don't think this is Oklahoma. We haven't seen Oklahoma at their like peak performance, and this might be the week that Oklahoma shows their A game and beats out Texas. So Jared's going to pick Oklahoma. I'm going to take the upset and take Texas. I just think Oklahoma has been too sloppy uh, in what they've been doing uh, and offensively and even defensively to where they have these close games with these opponents. Like, yeah, I'll take the uh, West Virginia game, for example. Uh, Letty Brown, uh, Garrett Doge, and then the, uh, the freshman backup uh, was doing well too, so – I, I just think if Texas and Casey Thompson, you know, are and Steve Sarkeesian have a good game plan and call the right plays uh, this upcoming weekend, then Texas can get their first big one. They've had it in a long time and they actually, uh, you know, get this one in the showdown. It's been a pretty uh, it's not been that too, too long since they won last, but it would be a big win for their program. Uh, yeah, that's uh, all I have to say for that. Uh, this that game is going to be on ABC coming on at 12. Uh, it's uh, Oklahoma minus three. So, yeah, I do agree with the spread and what uh, Vegas have to say. I think it will be close. But I guess we can move uh, move on to our next uh, game. We have Arkansas, number 13 Arkansas, at number 17 Ole Miss on ESPN. Ole Miss is favored uh, minus five and a half, and that will be coming on at 12. So it's interesting. Both of these teams are coming off of some, um, not to say huge losses, but they faced the number one and number two team last week, and it's not it's not completely over for their season. Uh, I think in terms of the playoffs, yes, absolutely. But in terms of having a good season, ending off strongly, uh, this is a game for them. I think this is a must-win back bounce-back game. So it's it's going to be interesting. Arkansas has uh, been the Cinderella team for everybody, so I know a lot of people are pulling for them. To where you have Sam Pittman, second-year head coach, uh, has kind of got this. Um, this program back to what it used to be, and it's looking like it's heading in the right direction. Now, it is a tough matchup that he's facing across the field uh, in Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin in that offense to where it's so high-powered to where if you make a mistake and you're going to get exposed, and it's not really not anything slowing down that offense unless you're Alabama or Georgia. So it will definitely be tough. I do like Arkansas's defense, but not enough to stop Ole Miss for all four quarters. Four, uh, football is a four-quarter sport. So Arkansas would have to be picture perfect, uh, you know, down to their P's, uh, be up on their P's and Q's for this game. Um, it's going to be, uh, I guess, uh, to name a few players out of this game, KJ Jefferson is going to have to show a lot more mobility and to find his, his playmaker and Traylon Burks a lot more. And I think uh, the Ole Miss defense, which, I mean, it, they got ran on a lot uh, in that Alabama game, so that maybe uh, gives Arkansas a better game plan to go ahead and let Raheem Sanders and Traylon Smith go uh, have a little bit more wiggle room than they did against Georgia, because Georgia has probably like one of the not uh, I think they're top two or three in the rush defense, but I think uh, KJ Jefferson has to uh, be smart enough to know when to uh, escape the pocket, run, get those yards, and pick up uh, first downs, and also get Traylon Burks involved as well too, because even though the run game might be the focal point, 
you still have to be able to hit on the outside as well, too. Now, on the flip side with Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, you still have a Heisman favorite, which I believe in Matt Corral. I think Alabama was a definite tough test, and you didn't have all your receivers healthy in uh, Mingo. But you still have uh, Dontario Drummond and uh, Braylon Sanders and Ja'Cora Pearson. And you have Ely in the backfield as well. And then you have uh, Snoop Connor and uh, Parrish. So you have a lot on that offensive side of the ball for Matt Corral to use. And Matt Corral's legs as well because he's a great runner and dual threat. So I think they'll keep uh, Arkansas, you know, they'll keep testing Arkansas and keep on using the same plays that they've uh, used in the past to uh, catch defenses uh, off balance. So it'll definitely be an interesting game. Um, I understand why Ole Miss is favorite. I want to personally pick Ole Miss as well. Um, I'll give a little, I'll get the, our audience, you know, some of Jared's thoughts. Um, so basically Arkansas was stuck in a uh, pick your poison situation last week. Uh, they knew they needed to limit explosive plays from Georgia. So they went with a three, three, five defense, hoping that Georgia's run game would be limited as it appeared to be in previous games. But Georgia uh, ultimately proved them wrong. We had with 56 carries for nearly five yards a carry. So this week, um, Jared believes that the 3-3-5 offense will work a little, a lot better, a lot better, not a little bit, a lot better against Ole Miss, limiting the explosive plays because you have Matt Corral, who is an explosive play machine. And so, um, yeah, with that, I guess uh, I'll give you his thoughts on the Ole Miss uh, side of the ball as well, too. Um, Ole Miss showed last week against Alabama that they can't run the ball uh, like Georgia can because they don't have the talent. But they will uh, – and they, and so with that reasoning, they will not be putting Arkansas in a pick-your-poison situation. Um, and Jerry Ely is questionable, so that's going to keep them limited in what they really want to do because he's a great receiving back and a guy that can go on the slot as well. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, Jared believes that Arkansas is the better overall coach team with a better culture, and they'll be able to pick themselves back up after this loss. And he believes that uh, Ole Miss will be upset by Arkansas. So we're a little differing on opinions this week. Uh, I think Ole Miss is still high-powered enough to uh, take on Arkansas and beat Arkansas. But Jared thinks that uh, the coaching will come down to this game. So – Definitely be an interesting uh, one to see. That was coming on at ESPN at 12. Uh, Ole Miss's favorite minus five and a half, like I said in the beginning. So now we can move on to Georgia at Auburn. Uh, as you all know, we are homers of Georgia. We both attended the University of Georgia. So we understand that this rivalry is very deep. This is one of the oldest rivalries uh, in the South or in college football, period. So um, it's definitely going to be a high stakes game, even though like one team is obviously visually and statistically better than the other. Uh, that's the great thing about college football is when these rivalries happen, weird things can happen and players show up to the best of their abilities. And um, with Georgia, I, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not so concerned that we could get upset, but I don't think this is going to be, you know, I, I, I like being uh, proven wrong by Georgia because, you know, I have to have that like skepticism with Georgia each season. But every time we play Auburn, it's always a, uh, you know, for the past uh, year or two years, we've done well against Auburn, where I think we've won. But I think this year, even though we're, we're, we're at an all-time high in morale and the defense looks great, and without, you know, you know, knock on wood, without barring any injuries, then uh, Georgia should win this handily. But we are without JT Daniels, which is it's going to look like uh, probably coming up this Saturday to where he's still – uh, dealing with the Latin, um, I think, pectoral injury or oblique injury. 
So we won't have our uh, main guy as our signal caller. And uh, we're still missing a bunch of wide receivers. I think uh, our best one to return is Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. While Don Blaylock is still not uh, fully healthy, Arian Smith, uh, George Pickens, we still have to wait a few months because we're still hoping that he could come back for the season. And just a multitude of other injuries on the offensive side of the ball. So I think we'll probably uh, go back to our formula of the run game, which we did last week against Arkansas. And we'll have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, different looks where Stetson Bennett is a great, uh, I wouldn't say great, but he is uh, our best mobile quarterback that we have on the roster right now that is healthy. And I, I think we'll have a lot of good looks and a lot of good play calls for the run pass option. If you didn't see from that last Arkansas game uh, that we had and Stetson is a safe guy to where I, I don't think, you know, I, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes where he'll make a few mistakes uh, and then they could be costly turnovers or we'll catch a break. But for the most part, he's uh, he's a safe guy to where, you know, he'll get the ball in the place. He'll move the ball down the field. Um, but, you know, he's not that five star, four star quarterback that we recruited. So it's definitely going to be uh, interesting. And then on the Auburn side of the ball, Bo Nix, uh, not the greatest quarterback in the world, uh, as we've seen for the past four years that he's been at Auburn, or three years, I think it's been so far. Um, but he does have this just knack for uh, able to elude pressure and escape the pocket and make plays on the run. So that, that's going to be something we haven't seen. Uh, Georgia hasn't seen. I think our best one was KJ Jefferson, which we were able to contain for the most part. But Bo Nix just has this certain elusiveness to where he, he can uh, make something out of nothing. And then with their backfield of Tanks, Bigsby, and uh, Jaquez Hunter, uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be a big test for our D-line, but I think it's going to be uh, another uh, good battle between you know our defensive front and their uh, running back committee. And on the, uh, I guess, outside, I mean, the only wide receiver I could probably name for Auburn is Demetrius Robertson, the uh, transfer from Georgia. Um, I don't think he's going to have that much of an impact in this game. They don't have a true number one receiver like they did in the past with, like, Seth Williams or a guy like an Anthony Swartz or anything like that. So overall, I do have Georgia win this game. I think we are a 14 and a half uh, point, uh, 14 and a half point favorite. Uh, we'll be on CBS at three 30. Um, so yeah, with Jared's thoughts on this game, uh, he's pretty much agreeing with me here. He maintains that our defense is the best nation. Um, despite, you know, all my rambling about like, we haven't played anybody yet. And our, if you look at our uh, preview, uh, our recap of last week, it's just, you know, uh, he, he goes on to explain that it's hard to shut out two opponents, which I, I do agree with. And it's let alone two SEC opponents, which, you know, those are quality teams. I mean, Vanderbilt, maybe not so much, but Arkansas, you know, having a good Cinderella season and probably building on uh, something. But one of them being a top 10 team, and also we kind of uh, beat in Clemson in the first game of the season. So uh, that's two top 15 teams, even though they're not ranked anymore. And like you said, defense just travels on the road, uh, even in the most hostile environments. Like I think Alabama and Georgia just hate playing at Jordan's hair uh, because it's it's just it's just Auburn like voodoo to where they, they'll find ways to just get really interesting and tricky. But I think that's a, it's going to be a little bit different. Gus Malzahn's not there anymore. So I, I think that that element is out of there, but they still have the talent to, you know, make this a little difficult on the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball. Um, but I think like uh, he, he thinks that uh, Auburn will be able to st uh, will struggle to score for a little while. And he'll he sees this final score being similar to last year, 28 to six. So, I mean, I, I don't disagree with him. I think Auburn may get a touchdown or two, but I think we'll just have that considerable like margin of victory to where 
that's where we both agree on to where it, it will, I don't think this will be that close of a game, but I think Auburn can make it interesting. So let's mainly just our top four games of interest uh, of the week that we're uh, looking forward to these big game helmet games. But, uh, oh, I forgot to announce our picks. I mean, obviously, we're both going Georgia, not because we're homers, because obviously we're the number two team for a reason. And we have that uh, sort of uh, respect and for our uh, team. But, uh, yeah, that, that's mainly it for our big four games of the uh, our big four games of the week, our helmet games, like we like to say, quote, unquote. But uh, I guess we can move on to get additional games of interest. Um, the first game we have is Michigan State at Rutgers. Um, it's going to be on the Big Ten Network at 12. Um, Michigan State is a minus five, uh, a five-point favorite. And it's definitely an interesting game. I understand why uh, Jared uh, put this up here. Because Rutgers has just been an interesting curveball of a team this year. Uh, we don't really know if they're good or not. But it's um, it's going to be definitely interesting. Like, Ohio State blew them out last week in the passing game. Like, uh CJ Stroud probably had his best game of the season so far. And Michigan State's offense feels like it's, you know, uh, let's, how do I put this? They're they're talented enough to where they could possibly replicate that. Maybe not enough in terms of the receiving core, but you still have receivers like Jalen Reed, uh, big tight ends. And then you have Kenneth Walker, a great running back, even though Rutgers is a good running uh, rush defense. And then you have uh, Simmons behind him as well, too. So they could break them down slowly, but uh, slowly, but surely. So you, you have a lot of options there. Payton Thor is not a bad option at quarterback. And it's it's Rutgers. Rutgers always throws a wrench in somebody's team, uh, somebody's game plan, especially if you're built on the run. Um, yeah. And I guess for Jared, he just uh, was really what caught his eye was how small the spread was. Um, he doesn't expect this game to be close, but he doesn't expect anything close to what Ohio State did to uh, Rutgers. I, on the other hand, think that it could be somewhat replicated, but maybe not so much. Um, yeah, like we both agree, Rutgers does well when you're able to take away the one good thing you're at rushing or passing. However, they're not good enough to take away both. Um, they'll probably try to key in on Kenneth Walker, which I mentioned earlier as like being their, uh, their cornerstone player right now. And I think that's going to leave, uh, like he, like he also agrees that it's going to leave Peyton Thorne as weapons with Reed and Naylor wide open and the Rutgers won't be able to stop them. So, um. He's, th he's thinking that Michigan State wins by two scores. Uh, I'm in uh, agreement with him as well. So I think that's another game we agree on. I guess we can move on to our next game of interest. We have Boise State at BYU. This is a game I'm excited to see. Um, yeah, BYU ranked in the top 10. Um, it's not that weird to say, but it doesn't feel right for me. Like, I understand what BYU has done. They've beaten Arizona State. They've beaten Utah. They've basically gone on a Pac-12 like path of just hell and fury at this point. And they've looked good. But I, I have to see, I think this is going to be a big game because um, if Jaron Hall doesn't play and they put out Baylor Romney again, which I mean, I, I love as well. He had a good game. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, Yeah, so now that uh, now that I've looked up a little bit extensively, BYU is down to their third quarterback, so that's going to be a little bit rough. You still have Tyler Algier in the run game, which is really good for them, but you kind of still need that uh, that balanced offense to where Tyler Algier is not the most explosive guy, 
to where he's getting a lot of those, uh, you know, he's, he's weeding down teams, but he's not exploding off for those 50 to 60 yard runs, which, you know, you can't expect of every running back to do, but he's doing his job of getting those goal line carries, uh, getting those 10 to five yard uh, uh, runs in the end zone. So it, it definitely will be interesting, but Boise state just has that great passing attack of Shakir and, um, you have Bachmeyer in the uh, throwing the ball to all those other receivers as well, too. So it's, it's ew, man, it's going to be a tough game to really put my finger on. I mean, Jared really wants to put pick Boise State, um, but Boise State has the 105th rushing defense in the country. So BYU is not going to have to rely on Jacob Conover. Uh, he expects this game to be very similar to Utah State with it being a high scoring game on both sides. And he likes Boise State's weapons, but he has BYU winning by a touchdown. I'll take Boise State in the upset on this one. Um, I think Khalil Shakir and Bachmeyer um, are talented enough and George Halani, just having that balanced attack. And then if they can get more stops than the BYU, I think Boise State can capitalize on that. So I'll put, uh, we're gonna split on this. We're splitting on a lot of games. Uh, now that I look at the sheet so far, Boise State, uh, he's picked, uh, I picked Michigan State. He also picked Michigan State. Uh, we agree on Georgia, but we disagree on Arkansas and Ole Miss. We disagree on Oklahoma, and we disagree on Penn State and Iowa. So a lot of games that are going to uh, be interesting for us this weekend to see who uh, comes out on top at the end of the week. But I guess we can move on to our third game of the week. I understand uh, it's going to be an interesting game to, uh, you know, to see because it's, it's one of those uh, games to where I really don't want to watch the game because of like anything of high scoring or relevance, but it's just two terrible teams going against each other, looking for just any sort of like bright spot of their season. If you caught at UMass, um, a lot of people have been circling this game. UConn fans and UMass fans, uh, our guys, John Lobb and Eric Froton, uh, Eric Froton at NBC Sport, uh, Sporting Edge and uh, John Lobb, Gridiron Scholar. Uh, John Lobb being a UConn fan and Eric Froton being a UMass alum. Uh, they're looking for their first win here uh, for both programs. And UConn is favored by minus two and a half. And UConn definitely looks uh, better since they fired their coach. But UMass, uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's just really two bad teams. It's like almost like uh, just two tanking teams in the NFL beating up on each other. But at the same time, they it's not like you win a draft pick at the end of the year. You're kind of just playing to get that win so it, it's going to be tough um it's jared uh, he describes this as a toilet bowl um it's basically a battle for the worst team in the fbs that's a bit harsh but it's also true uh uconn seems to have turned things around even though they're still winless and uh, umass continues to lose um to lose more and more uh key players so jared has uconn and also he uh gives Jared's picking UConn and he's uh, picking the spread as well for minus two and a half. I'll take UConn as well, too. I watched you. That was probably like I've, in week zero, I watched the UConn game versus Fresno State game. And, you know, I saw a little bit of like glimmering hope in UConn. So I'm like, all right, it's UMass. Come on, just do your job. Don't be that terrible and win the game. So I, I'm taking UConn as well. And I'll go with the spread of two minus two and a half. So now we can uh, move past that game. Finally, I felt terrible because I was like, I don't know any of these players or any of these like coaches or quarterbacks. I just know they're both terrible and bad. But now we can go back to. Yeah, 
Now we can go to uh, Michigan at Nebraska, a game that I'm really excited for. That's coming on at ABC at 730. I understand why it's a night game. I understand why it's on ABC. This is going to be a huge game and a huge test for Michigan. If I'm not mistaken, I remember I was watching ESPN, which I really don't like doing, but sometimes they have good points. And, you know, I like the game day and the college hosts sometimes. they Sometimes they have good uh, insight. This is going to be a big test for Michigan because – uh, I think it was Desmond Howard that says that Nebraska is not that bad of a team just yet. You can't write off Nebraska and Scott Frost just yet. It feels weird to say because at the beginning of the year, we were all just bashing on Scott Frost for being a terrible coach. He should not have lasted this long, but somehow he has. He's kept them competitive in a bunch of games this season, only winning, I think, uh, I think they've only won, what, one game or two games so far? So it's going to uh, – it's it's more of like, you know, you look at it on paper and you're expecting Michigan to just run away with it. But Nebraska has shown, especially the Michigan State game, how they can shut down the run, where they shut down probably the nation's best running back that we've seen so far in Kenneth Walker and basically made them like, you know, they just completely shut him down and made him useless in that game. And it came down to Jalen Reed and his playmaking abilities on punt returns to, for them to win that game. And now I will say Michigan has looked a little bit better in their passing with uh, J.J. McCartney and Cornelius Brown. But I still think that Blake Corum and Hassan uh, Haskins, that duo and tandem of like, you know, them being two different styles of running backs where Corum can be lined up in the slot or catch out of the backfield and Haskins can get you those one to two yard uh, gains will just be enough like balance and versatility to keep Nebraska on their toes and ultimately win that game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska were to pull out and win this game. So Jared's thoughts on this game. He's basically uh, exclaiming that the line screams the same as the Wisconsin line and that it seems way too close. However, unlike Wisconsin, who is getting worse and worse each week, Nebraska seems to be improving each week. And if Scott Frost wants to keep his job, this is probably going to be a signature win that he needs. This is the perfect opportunity for him to do it. I guess a top 10 opponent in Michigan. And I, I mean, it'll be enough to save his job for this season, but I don't know about for, you know, extensively in the future. Cause I don't know it was so weird. You know, a couple of years ago, Scott Frost came from UCF and was just, you know, promising to change this entire program and bring them back to like, you know, the Nebraska of old winning national championships and, yeah, you've kind of just continued on with the same mediocrity and, you know, having low expectations at this point. So it's it'll definitely be a good win. But it's getting a win over a top 10 team will require a lot of uh, great execution for Adrian Martinez and for the entire Husker teams as a whole. Um, he's, uh, you know, like uh, Jared said, and like Vegas agrees with him as well. They think that's in their cards and you know, I agree with it as well, too. I think with Adrian Martinez and then you have that, uh, you know, you have a decent backfield of a few players. And then you have um, a slew of wide receivers that, you know, each can pop off each week. Um, you have uh, Martin and you have a few other guys as well, too, that I can't name because Nebraska is just so, you know, sporadic with their targets and who's going to be that number one guy and who's probably their best player. But it's, it's going to be a close game, and we both agree that it's going to be Michigan in a close game. So I, I have no, have no uh, arguments in his logic here. So, yeah, that's, that's mainly it. We're just taking Michigan, which it feels weird because that man Harbaugh should not have a job. I thought he should have been fired for a while, but 
he's having a good season so far, but it gets tougher down the road. Uh, gets tougher from here on out. So we'll see. I guess moving on to our next game, we have Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Notre Dame is favored by a minus one and a half or just one and a half points. And it's on the ACC network. It's on at 730. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I will say that the least where Notre Dame, you're coming off of a loss to Cincinnati, a good team, a good program, um, a f- possible top four, a possible playoff team uh, if the cards fall right for them. But Notre Dame is still a good team uh, overall to where you still have Jax Cohn or uh, Tyler Buckner. No, decent quarterbacks, not great. We'll see what Tyler Buckner looks like in the future. And Drew Pine as well, too. Um, we'll see how those quarterbacks rotate and uh, who gets that nod for this week. Probably will be Jax Cohn. But you're going to Virginia Tech and Blacksburg, which is always a tough environment to play in. So I, I like the line here for uh, one and a half. But I might have to give it to Virginia Tech on this one. I think just that environment, I'm, I'm completely just putting my faith in that Virginia Tech environment to throw off Notre Dame. I, I like Notre Dame's playmakers of Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree and Michael Meyer and Kevin Austin. But I think Virginia's Tech defense is good enough to get some stops and slow them down. And uh, for them, if the, the crowd keeps them in it and have in these type of games, you know, night games as well, too. I think Virginia Tech will be loud enough. I think Virginia Tech will be disruptive enough. I think they will knock Notre Dame off to where they've kind of just been squeaking by a lot of teams, especially if you look back before the Cincinnati game, they were barely squeaking by Toledo. They were barely squeaking by um, Wisconsin. So until, you know, they exploded for some turnovers and things like that. But I I think Virginia Tech uh, has their card this week. Um, Yeah, those are just my thoughts on that. No, um, Let's go over to Jared's. Jared uh, basically agrees with me that Notre Dame came out completely flat against Cincinnati, um, much in part to Cincinnati's incredible defensive performance. But we also agree that Notre Dame couldn't get anything going consistently on, on the offensive side of the ball. And that's has a lot to do with their rotating QBs and they needed to be settled on one. And he, he believes that Drew Pine and his better mobility keeps the, uh, and Drew Pine and his mobility is probably their best option if they want to win this game. But like uh, we both agree, play, playing at home, he likes Virginia Tech to have a, a similar performance to how they did play against UNC earlier this year. Um, he thinks that this game will be low scoring and a ground and pound game in which Virginia Tech pulls off the technical upset. So there's a game we agree on. Um, I think we both like the, the environment of Virginia Tech and how gruesome it can get to where I looked at last year of the Clemson game where Trevor Lawrence kind of squeaked by as well, too. And it was a close game to the very end. And even the season, UNC uh, pulled uh, their car, um, Virginia Tech pulled UNC's card. So uh, Virginia Tech is just good at stopping these, these offenses that are just known for like having so much talent. And, you know, they don't have much talent off the side of the ball as, uh, as these other schools, but they're good, you know, enough to put up points. So yeah, it'll definitely be a low scoring affair. I do like Virginia Tech as well. So that's another game we both agree on. Guess we can move on back to the SEC. We have LSU at number 16, Kentucky. Kentucky is favored by three points. It's going to be in the SEC network at 730. You have Kentucky coming off of a big win against Florida versus LSU coming off that loss against Auburn. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say it. Uh, LSU, you're not impressive until you find a running back. Um and I don't think you have it. I think this is probably 
not saying Ed Ogeron is like one game away from being fired, but if I was the LSU program, I'd probably have it at that. Like he's on the probably the hottest of seats uh, in college football. Um, I probably could pull out a few more names if I thought about it a little bit more, but he's probably the the sore thumb that I'm picking out right now. I mean, you still have a good, a competent quarterback in Max Johnson where he hasn't been as spectacular as I once thought he was going to be. And then Keyshawn Butte had the mysterious uh, injury in practice, but he came back. Uh, so it's looked like he's going to be ready to go for this weekend. Then you have Deion Smith and a bunch of other freshmen, Cole Taylor as your tight end, and um, uh, Dre uh, Jenkins and a few other wide receivers that can make plays in space. But Kentucky has shown that defensively they can they can they can play up to their competition in the sec uh florida they took away a lot of their run game which lsu doesn't have and honestly i think anybody in the sec or anybody in football could probably take away lsu's uh run game but kentucky also has on the offensive side of the ball you have a lot of good playmakers and will levis even though he hasn't looked impressive in the past three games he has Wandale robinson and ali as his receivers and you have chris rodriguez the great back uh that they have uh, behind them in the backfield. So I like Kentucky in this game. I think it'll probably be more like uh, two or three scores. But I think LSU, you know, it'll probably be a high scoring game. I don't think it will, uh, I think Kentucky, hmm, I, I don't think it will be as close as three. I, I think Kentucky will win probably by a touchdown or 10. But I think LSU will be able to still put up points in this game as well, too. They won't, their offense won't stop completely to where I don't think anybody's going to get a shutout on them this season. I don't think anybody's going to keep them under like 14 or 20 points. So I know that's probably a big range as well, too. But I think I just trust that much in Keishon Boutte and Max Johnson for the connection that they had all season, they, you know, their ability to get to, to the end zone. But overall, I have Kentucky. Um, yeah, let's move on to Jared's thoughts. He, like me, uh, believed that Ed Orgeron is on the, uh, the hot seat. Now, his version of uh, – these are his words and not mine. It's not a matter of when, not if. Uh, it's a matter of when, not if uh, Ogeron is fired at this point. And if the Wildcats are able to beat LSU this weekend, he could see Ogeron being tarmacked afterwards. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a harsh reality at this point, but I could see it being true. But I think you still have the, the hangover of the 2019 National Championship. I mean, a lot of question marks about Joe Brady. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow carrying you to that uh, kind of uh, been validified so far this season and uh, the fact that you've done so terribly. But at the same time, you were the head coach. You did put them in the position to get there. So you might be safe for a couple of more weeks. But I don't think a number 16 Kentucky loss will, uh, you know, get Ogeron fired that uh, that quickly. But. Let's move on to his thoughts on Kentucky. He believes they have the more balanced attack than this game, even in their passing, even though their passing game hasn't been the most consistent as they have been in their first few games. But we also look back to LSU's ground game is going to be limited to one dimension, which may be even worse with Keishon Butte being questionable. Well, uh, yeah, it was, it is, it's still, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it is a little bit of old news about his questionability, uh, how questionable he's going to be for this game. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I would like to know what happened to know if I have to uh, prepare for the worst or anything like that. But I think, you know, overall, since he's back at practice, nothing too dramatic has come out of the like message boards or uh, on news circuits, then he should be fine. But uh, he, he believes that we we're going to see similar results to the Auburn game last week. 
he thinks it's going to be low scoring, and but Kentucky gets the win. Uh, I, on the other hand, think this will be relatively high scoring to where not, not in the fact of like, um, I think what, what was the Auburn score last week? It was probably, yeah, it was like 24 19. So I, I'm thinking, yeah, something around that, maybe a little bit higher of like a 28 to uh, 19 or 28 to 21. So, yeah, I guess you want to consider that low scoring, then I'm probably of the same opinion. But uh, overall, yeah, I'm taking Kentucky to win that game. Moving on, we have number one Alabama at Texas A&M. Uh, Alabama's going to College Station. Um, yeah, that's going to be on CBS at 8 p.m. I'll just start off with Jared's thoughts first. Let's uh, let's see what he has to say. He This game is fixing to get ugly. His word's not mine. Uh, he thinks the line is not high enough. <laughs> Calzada is not a starting caliber QB yet, and Bama's defense is getting much and much better, especially with uh, that pass rush. Bama is nowhere near close. Uh, absolutely, I agree with. Um, but I will add in to where I think Texas – it's so funny – Alabama's defense is getting better, which is always a scary thought. But, you know, going into the season, people had a lot of high price for Texas A&M's uh, defense as well, too. And each week, I just see it as getting much and much worse. It doesn't look the same as or formidable as it once was, you know, early on. So it's going to be interesting to see how, like, you know, if they, not to say contain Bryce Young or how they match up with their uh, the offensive pieces on that uh, Alabama um and the Alabama for the Alabama offense. But yeah, this game is probably going to be ugly. I, I think 17 and a half is fine where the line is. Cause I think that's still, I mean, it's still a blowout, but if you're expecting Saban to just, you know, embarrass Jimbo Fisher, then by all means, I, I that the, you can leave that up with Jared. He's pretty Alabama, a, a somewhat of an Alabama fan longer than I have to where I respect what they do. And, you know, I, I respect Nick Saban and how they run their, uh, their program and on both sides of the ball, but I, I don't see Texas A&M bending over and just, you know, allowing just anything higher than 20, uh, 20 plus to happen. Now it can't happen, but I don't, that, I don't have that much faith in Bryce Young. And also we'll see what Brian Robinson can do now that, uh, you know, Jason McClellan is uh, out for the entire year. You're going to be that RB1. You're going to have to carry a, a bigger workload than you've ever carried in your time at Alabama. So I'm excited to see what I can uh what we can get out of him for all the people that picked him up off the waiver wire this week. But yeah, it's definitely, it's Alabama is not even close. So moving on, we have uh, Utah at USC. My uh, USC is favored by three and a half. It's going to be on Fox at 8 PM. Yeah. Um, we'll start off with Jared thoughts again. Uh, the rumors are that Jackson's dart is uh, practicing and he is praying that he can get the job back from Slovis, but uh, we both agree that probably won't happen. It's probably not that likely. Um, yeah, uh, Jared believes the whole field advantage will be enough to help USC, especially with Utah losing uh, key pieces at QB. However, Utah is coming off of a bye week, so they have plenty of reps and uh, uh, plenty of reps in practice for the new QB and camera rising. And a lot of people in the ca uh, campus community seem to like him as well. Maybe not as much as like, you know, raving about a top 10, but I think he's a good fit for that Utah program. But yeah, I'll take USC. I think with Slovis or whoever's going to be a quarterback, as long as you have Drake London, I think uh, that just increases your chances of winning in the Pac-12 of him being able to put up a big yards and a lot of touchdowns in that game. So 
I do like Slovis. Um, not Slovis. I, I like London, Drake London. So I think that's the one bright spot they have. As long as they don't lose him, Slovis is, can have their uh, can have his favorite X receiver to go up there and get it and make those spectacular catches. So I think it's good, definitely going to be a close game because it's always the Pac-12 and, you know, they always have to keep it interesting and close. But, yeah, I'll take USC in this one as well, too, especially being at home. Yeah. So uh, moving on, we have our games with over-unders of 65 points. We'll start off with Maryland at Ohio State. Uh, the over-under for this game is 68 and a half. Yeah, I don't agree with this at all. I don't think that game will uh, be that high scoring. I think um, with Dante Demas going down, I mean, I still love Rakeem Jarrett. I still love the tight end. I still love uh, Fleet Davis. And I still love Talia. But Ohio State looks like they're improving and impro like they're getting back to uh, their old form of their bread and butter and coming back to prominence. You know, it's so weird to say for Ohio State coming back to prominence only because of a few games and a loss to Oregon and a struggle win against Tulsa, but they're looking a lot better each and each week. Um, and I think CJ Stroud being healthy, getting back in stride and be having that QB. And I think, you know, not having the pressure of uh, Kyle McCord, you know, breathing down his neck to where even though he had a good showing against uh, Akron, it just wasn't, a, I don't think it was going to be enough to uh, take him out of the running for QB one or have a QB controversy. I think CJ Stroud showed in that Maryland uh, at the Maryland game. Uh, in the oh, what game was that? That was Ohio State versus hmm. man, what was their last game? Ah. Gonna have to okay, yeah, you're gonna have to end that out. Okay, Ohio State at Rutgers, yeah. Uh, I think CJ Stroud showed against Rutgers that he has that job solidified. Uh, Trevion Henderson. Not not the greatest of days, but it was enough against that Rutgers defense to where I think he still had like 70 yards in the touchdown, which, you know, we're expecting more of the uh, uh, the true freshman where we kind of deemed him probably the best out of the class and probably the uh, most uh, ready running back to, uh, out of high school to play on uh, in college. So he's lived up to expectations and we're hoping to see him, you know, continue on and exceed that. So it's going to be very interesting. And Ohio State has a bunch of receivers to use against Maryland as well, too. You have uh, JSN, you have Garrett Wilson, you have Chris Olave, then you have a bunch of freshmen where we could see Emeka, we could see Julian Fleming, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. So they just have so much, uh, so much at their disposal. And I think that Ohio State will run it up on Maryland. And I don't think Maryland will be able to respond. I don't think this will be like an old fashioned like shootout or air raid versus air raid. But I think Ohio State will be able to, whatever their spread is, if it's not over like 15, then I'd be surprised. But at the same time, I just don't see Maryland being able to put up enough points to have it over 65. But even if it is, I guess you could look out for those names that I mentioned, even though, uh, Dante Demas is gone. I guess Rakeem Jarrett's going to have to step up and uh, be in a bigger role. Talia, Fleet Davis, the tight end that I can't uh, pronounce, which I really need to because he's uh, actually been a little bit relevant for the past few weeks. So, But that's neither here nor there. Um, I guess we can move on to our next game. Oh, actually, no. Let's um, let's get to Jarrett's thoughts. Keep on forgetting. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to Jarrett's thoughts. Uh, so Maryland's coming off their worst performance of the season. And I don't think uh, he doesn't think that uh, things get much better for them. Ohio State wins easily, uh, easily in covers. 
but not as easily. Um, he's going to lay the points. Uh, for Maryland, Rakeem Jarrett is the play in his uh, opinion. So, yeah, like I said, uh, Fleet Davis is also the play because Ohio State's rushing defense is not the greatest 77th in the nation. But he doesn't see the game script favoring them. And for Ohio State players, Maya Williams returns. So that limits uh, Henderson along with uh, Maryland's 38 rushing defense. And the passing game, he likes all the names I've mentioned were from Olave to Wilson and Jackson Smith for uh, guys you should play probably in this game. But I guess uh, if I'm choosing a team uh, to win, obviously it's going to be Ohio State and Jared agrees as well. It's going to be Ohio State. Okay, moving on. We have Virginia at Louisville. This game is a over-under of 66 on the dot, and it's Louisville minus three. So, yeah, this is going to be a very high-scoring game. Um I, I'm actually going to be very into uh, – I'll probably tune in this game as well, too, to where I get to see Brennan Armstrong in the Virginia offense with Billy Kemp. Um, God, who's the uh, – Detavius Wicks and uh, some other guys that they have as well, too. Um, you know, being able to put up as much points as they can in Louisville with their uh, – mainly Malik Cunningham and his rushing ability to where it looks like it's become a lot more consistent this season where – I think he's averaging like what oh a touchdown and a half a game rushing so far. So it's it's really ridiculous what he's doing. And you still have Jalen Mitchell in the backfield, who's I think closer tied with uh, Malik in rushes. That's a good uh, guy to have. And then uh, Marshawn Floyd, the tight end, has been a good target for uh, Malik Cunningham as well too. I think it will be a high scoring affair. Mm, if I had to pick a winner though. I'll take Louisville. I think they're on a, uh, you know, even though they had a tough loss to Wake, I think, you know, to be in that, uh, to have a competitive game against Wake, the number one team in the ACC, and then you're going against another ACC opponent, uh, I think that uh, bars well for Louisville. Now, Jared's thoughts on this game. Initially, it's a hard game to call in a vacuum. However, he agrees that Wake Forest provided great data points for these two teams. Wake Forest put Virginia down uh put down Virginia on the road by 20 points while Louisville was uh, hanging around with Wake Forest and lost by three points. And he adds in the home field, uh, home field advantage. So he likes Louisville in this one. And then as for the players he would start in for Virginia, he likes Brandon Armstrong. He likes uh, Billy Kemp and Dontavious. And uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's mainly it. And then for Louisville, yeah, the start is obviously uh, Malik Cunningham and Marshawn Floyd. And uh, Jalen, Jalen Mitchell as well, too, because he seems to be finding his groove. So, like, all the points that I made, it's really, it's, it feels weird just to, you know, not having my co-host here and looking at his uh, thoughts because I just want to be able to be like, yeah, I agree with that, too. Or, you know, I don't like this point and having to hear him talk about this fully. But we move on and we'll be he'll be back next week, hopefully, with a, you know, full uh, clearance of health and able to talk again. But, yeah, we're going to move on to Florida State at North Carolina. Um, this game is 65 and a half for the over-under, and North Carolina is favored by 17 and a half points, ESPN at 330. Start off with Jared's thoughts. Florida State inexplicably beats uh, UNC last year, but he doesn't expect that to happen again. He expects a closer game than 17 and a half points because he thinks Jermaine Johnson, the pass rusher for Florida State, will cause enough uh, – Havoc uh, for the UNCO line to create negative plays and slow down the offense. 
but also Florida State's uh, has the 103rd ranking pass defense. So Sam Howell and Josh Downs are going to have a field day with that. And Ty, uh, Ty Chandler should have a decent day against uh, FSU's 86th rushing defense. And Deshaun Corbin should do likewise against UNC's 71st ranked rushing defense. All the points I mainly agree with. Um, I do, how uh, on the other hand, don't think this will be as close. I do love Jermaine Johnson, the pass rush that uh, Florida State has uh, put up and, you know, the, the the havoc that it caused. But I think, you know, like I said, Sam Howell on bounce back games, well, even though he bounced back against Georgia, Georgia Tech against Duke, I think he's at that point in the season where, you know, um, the season basically a wrap for UNC in terms of, like, hopes of playoffs. But, you know, you still have a good bowl game that you could play for. And also your draft stock needs to uh, rise a little bit because no quarterback looks that impressive so far unless you're Malik Willis and your draft stock is continually to skyrocket and rise. But I think with Downs and Chandler, because Chandler had a great day in the passing game as well against Duke where he caught like a 75-yard touchdown or it ran it for 75 yards off of a short pass. But it, I think it's going to bode well to where the UNC offense is becoming a little bit more together and the old line looks a little bit better, but I say a little bit better, not by like a considerable margin where Florida state can still cause uh, some negative plays, but I still like Sam Howell's rushing ability as long as he doesn't fumble the ball and have a dude game. So I do like the spread of 17 and a half for Florida state. And I, yeah, I'm going to pick North Carolina in this one. And I think Jared is going to pick North Carolina as well. He is. So yeah, that's, a, that's another game we're going to uh, agree on. So I guess we can move on to North Texas at Missouri, um, SEC Network, 4 p.m. This game has an over-under 67. Missouri is minus tw- uh, favored uh, by 20 points in this game. So for Jared's thoughts, Missouri, Missouri ranks last um, in their rushing defense. Therefore, DeAndre Torrey is a must-start this week. Um, I, was, uh, I will rebut that in a minute, but we'll uh, continue on with his thoughts. Missouri's uh, defense is ranked uh, – p- uh, passing defense is ranked 37th, uh, so don't expect uh, too much from Texas to – Texas North Texas to throw the ball on Missouri. They'll just run it like every other one of Missouri's opponents have so far, and North Texas's rushing defense is 95 95th, so therefore expect Tyler Beatty to have a good day. Overall, this game easily hits the over Missouri wins but does not cover. I think, yep. Overall, I do love Tyler Beatty to start this game. I honestly would probably throw in Connor Basilek for this probably be, you know, one of these few weeks to where you throw him in, to where he's been decent enough to where he has good games against, like, bad competition. So I do like Connor in this game as well and Tyler. Um, for North Texas, Torrey as a starter, I definitely think he gets the volume um, that would be favorable. But I still give that SEC bias and Power 5 bias to where – even though Missouri is dead last and they haven't shown to where their defense is improving. I I mean, if you have better players then obviously don't, I, I wouldn't start Tory. but for the sake of the over under and putting up as much points as possible, then yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that as well too. I just think that, yeah, he'll have the volume and the opportunities, but it's up to North Texas and him to get down the field and get in those uh, positions to score. So those are just a few of my thoughts. I guess we can move on to uh, uh, East Carolina and UCF. So, yeah, UCF is favored by 10 points in this game. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Sorry for all of our uh, listeners that don't have ESPN+. Plus. Um, 
yeah, this game's coming on at 6 p.m. and the over-under is 68. Uh, UCF's loss to uh, Navy last week was not that much of a shock considering that loss to Dylan Gabriel, but, I, you know, Mikey Keene, you, you were expecting, like, you know, they have all that talent for the quarterback to come in and be able to manage a good game, which he still was able to find the end zone a few times, but it was extremely concerning for Jared. Um, they're much more limited through through the air without Gabriel, and with uh, Bowser still out, consistency on the offense looks difficult to come by. So look no further than them scoring only second seven points in the second half. Uh, he likes Brendan Johnson to be a consistent red zone target. So it's worth starting in deeper leagues um, on now on the ECU side of the ball. Uh, ECU looks to be finding their identity through players like Keaton Mitchell, who will provide a threat through the ground and through the air and should, and should continue to uh, get good work, good work against the 76 rushing defense from UCF. I, I think so as well, too. I think Keaton Mitchell is going to have a great day. It's a must start for him as well, too. Um, I think Tyler Sneed will uh, bode well uh, in this game. I'm trying to think uh, maybe if CJ Johnson wants to get more consistent, this could be a good game, a, a boomer bust game for him as well. Uh, UCF. Yeah. Brennan Johnson, if Isaiah Bowser decides to come back and then wants to get healthy, that would be great for uh, UCF to, you know, ground and pound the ball. But I haven't seen any news so far to, uh, you know, push me to, to that side. But um, with UCF being uh, favored by 10 points, I'm going to have to take the, um, I have to go go against Vegas, and I think uh, East Carolina wins this game, and I think it will be close as well too. So uh, Jared is taking the upset due to uh, the upset as well, but he's taking the upset due to their consistency and personnel, their consistency and personnel production. So I, I agree with that as well too. I think um, I just don't like the inconsistency and the injuries uh, that UCF has had, even if it's not on the defensive side of the ball. I just don't think, you know, with the defense being out there for so long, then they're going to get tired and ECU is known to make some uh, big plays. So that's the reasoning for me. So we're both taking uh, East Carolina in this game. So moving on. Oh, man, I wish Jarrett was here to talk about this game because he's been raving about Western Kentucky for uh, ever since we actually get to uh, see the offense in person and get to see Bailey Zapp or Zappy uh, now that I've known uh, now that I've uh, known his real name, his real last name. Uh, so, yeah, we have UTSA at Western Kentucky. Um, this game will not be aired, but it's coming on at 6, 7 p.m. And it's 67, uh, the over-under is 67 and a half. It's going to be an interesting game because um, UTSA, they've been a good team so far. They they had a good win against Memphis. Uh, they came back. It was an interesting game if you haven't watched. It was Memphis looked like they were just leading the whole time, and then UTSA and Frank Harrison – Sincere and um, God, the receivers, Zakari Franklin, were just making their way back into that game, and ultimately they won. But Western Kentucky's offense is just so high powered to where it's ridiculous. Now I, I won't, you know, uh, give any credit to the run game. I don't think the run game is that much of a factor. It's some more of an air raid offense. So you have Bailey Zappi and then Jeff Stearns. Uh, who else do you have at receiver? Hmm. God, why am I blanking on that? You have Josh, uh, Josh Stearns, then you have Jared Stearns, and then you have, man. Yeah, I mean, you just have a, a variety of weapons for uh, Zappy to uh, use to where, uh, you know, it's mainly just him and Jared Stearns that are most fantasy relevant in terms of, like, their production of yardage and touchdowns. 
But, man, can they put up a lot of points. And I understand why this game – I'm surprised the, the over-under is not even higher because I, I don't completely write out West uh, UTSA's offense in this game because Western Kentucky's uh, defense is not that great or nothing to rave about. And UTSA has Cecilia McCormick who can get a lot of volume in this game. Um, and then you have Frank Harris who's doing a better job at quarterback and with Zachary Franklin, which I think may be a little bit injured this year, but you still have uh, Cephas and a few other um, – wide receivers so jared's thoughts we're looking at an early uh we're looking at an early uh matchup of the cusa conference championship that i predicted um western kentucky looks good against everybody they've played against this should continue this week against utsa's 71st passing defense bailey zapp and syrup stearns are much starts this week uh for the utsa side of the ball sierra and frank harris will have uh tons to say on the ground given western kentucky's weak rushing defense because it's ranked 120th in the country expect both to feed uh expect both guys sincere and frank to feast on the grounds well, yeah uh he thinks that utsa's chances of winning this game come from the confirmed uh return of zakari franklin who will give utsa some uh multi-dimensional offense until then he's taking west kentucky to win in a shootout yeah that's hmm man i'm still yeah i'll take west kentucky i'm you know, it's it's been, uh, you know, I had some power five bias to where, like, I did have Indiana beating them, and I was happy about that, but they kept it a lot closer than I thought, and I think they were able to, you know, hang around with a lot of these bigger programs. I think UTSA is going to have a, a big shock in front of them. And, I, and you know, for only a, a two-and-a-half favorite, I think Western Kentucky, uh, you know, in my eyes, will probably be able, you know, be able to cover the spread and probably have even more points than that. So, yeah, I'm taking Western Kentucky as well. So moving on to our last over-under game, we have Buffalo at Kent State. Kent State is favored by five and a half points. Uh, it's on ESPNU. It's coming on a seven, and this game is a 66 and a half over-under. So we'll start off with uh, what Jared uh, has to say about this. Um, it was one of the wildest games last year. We both agree. Uh, we saw Jared Patterson go off and, you know, put the whole uh, fantasy community on notice to where we, we knew about Jared Patterson but we weren't expecting that type of day for with eight rushing touchdowns. So that's what a lot of people were thinking, like Kenneth Marks would have uh, this type of production and impact. So far, we've kind of been disappointed about that. But we're on to this year, 2021 season. So we obviously don't expect this to happen um, against uh, again because Buffalo doesn't have anybody as talented in the backfield as Patterson. But they're also splitting carries much more this year. Kent State's rushing defense has also improved from garbage to bad, but that's not uh, but not that bad. That's an interesting quote right there, Jared. I'm not gonna lie. Buffalo's rushing defense is ranked similarly to, uh, similarly to Kent State's rushing defense, but the only split in carries for Kent State is Marquez Cooper and Dustin Crum. If you want a preview of what Dustin Crum can do in a game, go watch the Nebraska Buffalo game and watch Adrian Martinez. Uh, Kent State should have an average day passing, so Crum is going to find uh, more of his value through his legs. Overall, he's picking Kent State due to them having versatility between passing and rushing. Yeah, um, I don't think, you know, it, it's definitely – I like Marquez Cooper a lot, and I think, you know, maybe that's going to – if Marquez Cooper is that, uh, that main uh, rusher in this game to where then maybe Dustin Crum doesn't have to run as much. Now – I still think Dustin Crum is a must start in this game to where, you know, his ability passing will be great to uh, some of his receivers that he has to like Desha Deshaun Polk and a few others. But 
Yeah, I like I like the starts of Ken, uh, I like the starts of Crum and Marquez, and then on uh, the Buffalo side of the ball, I guess you could throw in any of their running backs. I you know, you could throw in Marks. You could throw in um, God. Who's the other one? You have McDuffie. So I, I think you know, on the ground there will be a lot of rushing touchdowns in this game. So I I don't think it's you know if you're in a deeper league you can go with either one of those backs. But yeah, I think it'll definitely be a close game and one of the more exciting uh, Mac games that we see this year. So yeah, that's it for our over unders. Um, yeah, we've been I've I've been talking for a while. Uh, we're getting to those wee wee hours of the night to where you know we're starting to run low on steam, but it's okay. We're gonna uh, go on to our last segment. Uh, we have one off the radar game. Um, Jared has decided to go with Oregon State at Washington State. Uh, the reasoning is Oregon State is 4-1 and one with wins over USC and Washington and uh, with wins over USC and Washington and is currently in the driver's seat to win the Pac-12 North. I want to see if they can uh, if he wants to see if they can continue their success. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, I love what I've, the production I've gotten out of BJ Baylor. Um, yeah, they've gotten big wins over USC where, you know, Pac-12 beats up on each other. So this could be one of those situations where Jaden Delore comes out of nowhere and, you know, has magic again. Um, and Travell Harris does well and a few other receivers. But I still like Oregon State um, in that one as well. Uh, for my uh, – I, I guess for my off-the-radar game this week, I I have a similar game of, of – and well, in terms of the reasoning. Uh, I want to see Tennessee at uh, South Carolina or is South Carolina at Tennessee because Tennessee's going to have the black jerseys. That's one of the reasons I want to see that game. Cause I'm just like, eh, you're not supposed to have black jerseys because it's not in your color scheme and you're just doing this to try to be as popular as Georgia as a salty Georgia fan, but that's neither here nor there. I, I want to see if the, uh, Tennessee can continue their success offensively with Hendon Hooker uh, under center as their starting quarterback. I think uh, with the Josh Hubel offense, I'm starting to believe a little bit. I don't think they'll be able to, you know, be competitive against the the more elite teams like a Kentucky or a Georgia or Florida so much like the you know against the Florida game I, mean, I guess and I guess when they play Florida the first quarter looked really good and then after that it kind of weaned off but against a you know lower competition like South Carolina I, I'm looking forward to that I'm wondering if Hendon Hooker you know will have a, a good day with his legs as well with uh Ty and Evans you know shouldering that entire load probably more with Jabbar Small out. And you have uh, some great wide receivers for Hendon Hooker to uh, hit as well, too, with Peyton and a few others. So looking forward to that game. And South Carolina has a good uh, and okay rushing defense for the, uh, you know, in terms of the nation, not probably not as good as in the SEC, but they were able to make some stops against Georgia and a few other teams rushing the ball, uh, Kentucky as well, too. So I, I think uh, Hendon Hooker is going to be able to show off his uh, arm a little bit more. And hey, mobile QBs, uh, they can, they throw it at it. Uh, and at a level of difficulty for some of those teams that are good to stop in the run, especially if they're looking out for the running back. Now they have to look out for the quarterback and the running back. So I think it will be a good high-scoring affair for Hupel and uh, the volunteers. But, yeah, that's uh, that's mainly it for our show. I will uh, go over our picks um, for our games to just let all of you know. Um, so I'll go through these quickly. Uh, Penn State of Iowa, Jared is taking Iowa. I am taking Penn State. Uh, Oklahoma at Texas. Uh, Jared is taking Oklahoma. I am taking Texas. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Jared is taking Arkansas. I am taking Ole Miss. Georgia 
at Auburn. We are both taking Georgia. Michigan State at Rutgers. We are both taking Michigan State. Boise at Boise State at BYU. Uh, Jared is taking BYU. I am taking Boise State. Uh, UConn at UMass, the Dumpster Fire uh, Championship. We're both taking UConn. Uh, Michigan at Nebraska. We are both taking Michigan in that game. Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. We are both taking Virginia Tech in the upset. Uh, LSU at Kentucky. We are both taking Kentucky. Alabama at Texas A&M. We are taking Alabama. Uh, Utah at USC. We're both taking USC. Maryland at Ohio State. We are both taking Ohio State. Virginia at Louisville. We're both taking Louisville. Florida State at North Carolina. Both taking North Carolina. North Texas at Missouri. Both taking Missouri. Uh, East Carolina at UCF. We're both taking ECU. UTSA at Western Kentucky. We're both taking Western Kentucky. And Buffalo at Kent State. We are both taking Kent State. So that is our slate of games. And then I guess our off the radar games, uh, we're both, uh, we probably won't add this to our picks, but, you know, I believe Jared's taking Oregon State. I'm also taking Oregon State. And then for Tennessee at South Carolina, I'm taking Tennessee. And Jared is taking Tennessee as well. So, yeah. But, yeah, that is it for this uh, week's pr uh, preview of the Saturday slate. We are we apologize for how late this uh, episode is coming out. We both had some, uh, you know, Jared had uh, medical issues to deal with with his um, wisdom teeth, as you've seen on social media through his uh, uh, great selfies that, you know, some people don't truly appreciate as much as I do. But I love them. Uh, it keeps me updated to see how one of my good friends are doing. And, yeah um that's mainly it for the recap uh we will uh have this episode out probably tomorrow uh which will be friday and also our king's classic episode will be coming out uh friday which i'll be doing in a couple of minutes as well too um so yeah don't forget to like and subscribe um uh, follow us on all streaming platforms uh follow us on youtube uh follow us on all social media platforms at cff underscore jared at CFF underscore Xavier. We're on Twitter mainly. I don't think we, we don't have Instagrams yet. We don't need Instagrams. We're among the people of great college football experts that are all on Twitter. Um, yeah, we've enjoyed uh, the growth that we had and all the support that we get. We love hearing uh, your, we love seeing your comments and hearing your feedback and uh, the questions that y'all ask. Um, we, we love, uh, you know, entertaining those questions and you know, seeing where your mind is at and asking uh, you guys asking us where our minds are at. So we do appreciate that always. So with that being said, uh, yeah, have a wonderful, wonderful day.